It's time for This Week in the Big East, a comprehensive look at the teams, coaches, players, and the story tradition of the Big East Conference. Here are your hosts, longtime conference play-by-play announcer John Rook and Big East author and sports writer Kevin McNamara. Welcome to This Week in the Big East, our weekly look at the teams, coaches, players, and stories from the schools in the Big East Conference. I'm John Rook with Kevin McNamara, episode four for the 2021 season, and we still have an unbeaten at the top, but it just seems like there have been more than a fair share of bumps and bruises for everyone, Kev, largely due to the COVID pauses, perhaps, but there's a real fight going on in spots two through nine in the league. Only three games in the loss column separate places two through 11 as well. The key issue right now has to be getting in as many games as possible for everyone, right? Well, there's no question. Yeah, And, you know, I'd say maybe three weeks ago, we thought that Villanova and Creighton had separated uh, among everybody else, you know, top 25 teams throughout the season. Creighton stubbed its toe a couple times, losing uh, to both Butler and Providence. Uh, Really good win by Creighton on the road at Seton Hall to steady the ship. But I do see the Jays in that mix with – Connecticut, Seton Hall, Xavier, Providence, Marquette, it really tightly grouped together. Uh, they're tightly grouped together. They're probably going to stay that way. And we keep waiting, I think, for a breakout team other than, say, Villanova. We'll touch on that in just a couple of moments. So let's get to this week's On the Court Big East headlines. Big East schools, Villanova and Creighton, remain ranked in the AP Top 25. Villanova, unbeaten in the Big East, remains number three. Creighton is 17th. Both UConn and Xavier receiving votes this week. Six Big East teams also ranking in the top 60 of the Ken Palm. How do the Cats continue to do it? Only one loss thus far this year, and that was back in late November. They did have a nearly four-week layoff due to COVID protocols, but Villanova has picked right back up where they left off and then some with recent wins over contenders Seton Hall and Providence. And yet, COVID remains very much a factor in our basketball lives as well. Nova and UConn postponed this week following an official testing positive after Connecticut's win over Butler. Red Hot St. John's also has to postpone with UConn this weekend. So time continues to narrow on opportunities for rescheduling, which means teams got to make it count now. Speaking of Connecticut and Butler, their matchup this week was the first meeting between the two since the 2011 NCAA championship game, which was won by the Huskies 53-41. Home court isn't exactly an oasis. Teams are only 25 and 21 at home going into this weekend's play, which means Georgetown, Seton Hall, DePaul, and perhaps St. John's all on high alert. Kevin, games are dwindling down, as we mentioned. Opportunities becoming fewer and far between. That should ratchet up the pressure, I think, on just about everyone in places, especially two through nine in the league standings, as we mentioned a couple of minutes ago. Well, John, January ends this weekend. I know that the season is uh, its such a bizarre season. It's tough to see how it's flowing, but February is almost here. That means people are going to start thinking about March and the NCAA tournament. The Big East does not have the plethora of top 25, top 30 net teams mm-hmm. that it's had in previous years. So your opportunities against a Villanova, against a Creighton, against a Xavier, which is 35th in the net as we speak, those games take on even added importance. And to lose one at the end, like maybe a Providence has done or Seton Hall the other night, uh, really costly losses. 
How much do you think it will be a factor, perhaps even for the schedulers? And we know Mike Coyne and Stu Jackson in the Big East office handle all that and John Paquette as well. But how much of a factor do you think will be in trying to get some of these games or as many put back on the schedule as possible? I mean, will be a lot of pressure on there? Well, uh, Connecticut and Villanova are two prime examples. They've probably lost more chunks of their schedules than anybody else. Georgetown as well. But Jay Wright was on a call this week and someone asked him, would you be you know, able to play or mm-hmm. like to play as many as three games in a week? And to Jay's credit, he said he would. Travel is really important. You know, certainly don't want to have to play three road games in a week on a rescheduling. Uh, and you also don't want to ask a team like Villanova or any team to do that multiple weeks in a row. And we're getting to that point where if they continue to have postponements, uh, basically they're, they're going to have to play three games in a row, multiple games in a week. And, and that's probably not uh, advisable for any Big East team heading into March. All right. Something to watch for in the weeks ahead. We thank our Westwood One affiliate station this season for tuning in to check us out. Thanks for catching us all on Sirius XM. If you're doing the podcast thing, of course, subscribe, rate, review us. We're on Apple, Google, iHeart, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, Castro, CastBox, PodFriend. I don't think I left anybody out, did I? For more on the podcast, you can visit us online, www.twitb.buzzsprout.com. Com. And you can also listen to us online, westwoodonesports.com, bigeast.com. Inside episode four this week, Georgetown has had some real growing pains thus far this season, but the Hoyas are not without talent. They've had to take on more than just an experience as well, and head coach Patrick Ewing will join us. There may be no better expert on Big East hoops in the country than a familiar face and voice who has not only broadcast Big East games, but he coached in them and he lived through them all in the early going. Bill Raftery will share his thoughts on the current landscape. Plus, his name might be a bit problematic, But we can tell you his game is also trouble for opposing teams to handle. Seton Hall's Sandro Mamakalashvili joins us next. This week in the Big East. Coming up this week in the Big East Spotlight. Big East Spotlight. Mamakalashvili for three. Rattles it home. It's good. And now the officials call for the timeout, but the damage is done. Largest lead of the game for Seton Hall by 15. He's big. He can shoot. He can defend. And he's got a last name that can definitely trip up your tongue if you're not careful. So he's got a nickname that can help you out there, too. What Sandro Mamukalishvili also has is a desire to keep his Seton Hall Pirates playing at a high level. And Mamu joins us this week in the Big East. Can you tell us, Sandro, how you've gone about developing your leadership skills, not just your playing skills, but leading your guys on the floor and stepping into a role that really was manned by a guy like Miles Powell in the recent past? How's that gone for you? Uh, it's going great. You know, um, I'm just blessed to have teammates I have right now on the court. Um, they just love to listen, and I love to listen. So I feel like um, I'm just kind of getting in the role of a leader, but at the same time, I'm kind of learning from my teammates, and that's the best thing. Uh, coaching staff believes in me. It was a hard transition, but at the same time, I feel like I'm lucky. I had uh, a lot of great seniors behind me, so I learned a lot, and uh, I just love the role, and uh, I'm embracing as much as I can. Sandro, uh, obviously, we, we've watched Miles Powell the last two years lead your team and be a, a ball-dominant guard. You were a great running mate with him, but now the transition to be the lead guy, the top guy in the scouting report, uh, you, you've adjusted really well to that. How much have you enjoyed taking on that challenge? I love it. You know, um, is it, I've been waiting on it and I knew it was coming. You know, uh, 
I knew coming in the senior year, I would be on the top of scouting report and just coach gave me the green light to just play my game. So uh, I know it, it would not be easy. Um, it's it's hard every day, just but I feel like it's just about consistency. You know, you got to go in the gym every day and just kind of work on your game. And when the game time comes, I feel like you're confident in, uh, on what you worked on. So I feel confident. I feel good. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still working on everything to develop my game. So uh, it's harder to guard me. Well, I know your team is also developing at the same time, and uh, I, I hate to go back to this, but I'm going to go back to Wednesday night and the game with Creighton, and you guys were playing extraordinarily well for, what, 30 minutes, 35 minutes even, and then it kind of fell apart at the end. Uh, learning lesson, teaching lesson, what did you get out of it? Learning lesson, definitely. Learning lesson. Uh, I feel like we can learn so much from this game. Um, I feel like we had a lot of uh, – defensive errors which we can um, uh, work on and we can improve on um, I feel like some of the shot, shot, shot selections we had at, uh, late in the game we can improve on so I feel like there are a lot of learning curves in in this game and you know it, it, it's definitely sad that we lost but uh, we can learn from it and we got a big week coming up so we can mm -hmm. kind of put this uh, learning experiences into Villanova. Sandro on this show we've asked everyone about how they're dealing with the pandemic and whatnot and uh, one of my bugaboos is that parents and close friends haven't been able to get into the arenas to see their their loved ones play. And I was so happy to turn on the TV the other night and understand that your mother, Mariana, it, it not only has come to visit, but she was able to see you play. Uh, just talk about how, how that was lined up and how excited uh, you are. Uh, so basically, um, we were in the airport. Uh, we were like in a bus going to the airport for um, Butler game. And unfortunately, it got canceled. But coach said, like, you know what, guys? I, I think on Wednesday they're going to uh, allow families to come. And I really didn't realize should I be sad or happy because of my game got canceled. I feel like I just forgot about the game for a minute. And I was so excited. My mom flew over there. And it just worked out perfectly. So, you know, um, it, it was it was great just having families out there. I feel like we still got to get a little adjusted. I feel like everybody was just kind of looking up and just seeing their family and stuff. But um, it, it's just a blessing to have them around and just have my mother around. It, it, it's amazing feeling. Did she come all the way from Georgia? Yes. Yes. She, she came all the way from Georgia. Um, you know, I only see her once a year. So, um, hopefully from now on, I can see her more often, but, uh, it's just a blessing to have her here. Definitely. When was the last time you were home, uh, in the Republic of Georgia, by the way, it's not yeah. Georgia in the United uh, States for, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was uh, two summers ago. Uh, I wow. was there playing with my national team. Um, you know, when I don't play with my national team, I only go there for two weeks uh, because that's the most I'm allowed to go. But last time I went, I was there for like two months. So uh, it just felt great. Uh, I kind of miss home a lot. And um, hopefully I can go there near near future and just stay there with my friends and family for a little bit. Can you tell us how, how big basketball is in Georgia? Because uh, you're the you're the latest of many uh, yeah. natives who have come over not only, uh, you know, in college basketball, but quite a few in the NBA as well. Definitely. Uh, it's getting bigger and bigger. You know, I, when I was a young kid, it was more like soccer, soccer. But you really often hear basketball now, and uh, I'm just proud of it. I feel like it just the culture, Zaza, uh, Pachulia, Toko Shangelia, and all of them uh, just brought back and I feel like everybody's a huge fan of basketball right now. So I feel like our number one sport is basically basketball with rugby. So, um, you know, it's really big now at home and I love it. 
I would say that, uh, in all honesty, some people who watch you play might feel like you mix a little rugby in with your basketball. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's Georgian mentality. Every time you step on a court, you just want to, you know, Georgia is a small country and we, we carry a lot of pride on our shoulders. So I feel like every time I step on the court, I just want to do my, my best, even though if I have to mix a little rugby in it, I just go <laughs> and I just do whatever I have to. <laughs> Absolutely love that. All right. So, you know, you've got a Seton Hall team that everybody can see when you, when you watch the Pirates this year, you guys have got a lot of talent. Some nights you blow the doors off of it. Other nights, well, Wednesday night happens against Creighton. So what would you feel like is the most overriding issue that you guys need to solve to get where you need to go to be an NCAA team? Um, to be honest, it's more like I feel like we're we're on the same page right now. In the beginning of the year, it was a little harder. But the biggest problem I think we're going to solve is just kind of uh, the pace I feel like we play and the defensive, defensive styles we have to get. Other than that, I feel like offensively, Everyone can score like one through five. We have a great team. We have great um, versatile teammates who can kind of we have like four guys who can push the ball in the starting five. So I feel like uh, offensive end, we're good. I feel like it's the defensive end and uh, kind of pick and roll defense, which we have to improve on, which we will definitely. And um, I feel like from there on, the, the everything else will flow. Sometimes I feel like we just get lost and overwhelmed. But, you know, I feel like we're working on it and we'll we'll definitely get there. Sandro, it's interesting when I hear about some national observers talk about Seton Hall, they instantly go back to last year and say, wow, you know, this is a team that if the tournament was not canceled, could have made a run, dangerous team. Uh, do you guys yeah. talk about that disappointment at all and say, hey, you know, we need to get back? Or, or is it truly a fresh year, different group? Obviously, it's a very different group on, on the court. Uh, to be honest, we don't talk about it. We talked about it last year, uh, probably for a month after the uh, everything got canceled, but this year, you know, it's a clean slate. Like we just, I feel like we know, um, like, I feel like we know how good we are. And uh, I feel like we're trying to be the best teammates we can for each other. So right now we're just looking forward to what's coming our way and just making a tournament. And, you know, we got a lot of experienced guys, a lot of seniors, a lot of juniors. So I feel like right now we're just focused on ourselves and not last year because, you know, it's what it counts the most is today and not what happened. So uh, we definitely just stay focused on today. We usually ask this for most of our guests as well. So I'm going to ask you, what's your favorite matchup? Who do you like going against? Who do you really respect in terms of players, places to play, other teams? Who has your attention? So um, I like a lot of matchups. To be honest, my favorite matchup going against is Villanova. Um, I feel like they just play like great basketball. They're so organized. Uh, they got talent all over the floor. So I feel like they always just bring the best out of me, like any other team. I'm not saying only Villanova, but mm -hmm. like, I, I just say like when I play them, I feel like it just like, like it's always a good fight. Um, I feel like the matchup wise, Creighton is, is kind of a really good team. Um, but my least favorite matchup, to be honest, because I feel like they're, they're so good. They just move around the floor and uh, they just, they just cause a lot of, motion so I feel like it's hard to just kind of defend them um, but other than that I feel like everybody's really good this year uh, Providence is really good you know a lot of guys just stepped up so uh, I feel like I just love playing against all of the teams because it's a competition for 40 minutes but definitely Villanova brings out like a lot out of me. Seton Hall's Sandro Mamakelishvili did I get that right I always wonder every time. Next up, who's hot? When you're watching, who stands out? 
Who are the guys making it rain like rock stars on the concert stage? This week's best players, top performers. We'll talk about them next. This week in the Big East. Coming up, who's hot? This week in the Big East, who's hot? Down to nine to shoot. High screen set. David steps back for three. Oh! oh! What a shot there by David Duke. McEwen's trying to play him as best he can with the four fouls, but Duke just wore him out with that three-pointer. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. John Rook with Kevin McNamara. Player of the week this week. You know, he plays for a team familiar to a lot of fans, but his name might not be as familiar. It's Jermaine Samuels from Villanova. And coming off of the layoff because of COVID, Samuels led the Wildcats to a perfect week in their comeback week against Seton Hall and Providence. This guy is completely underrated in a lot of ways, Kevin. He's the glue guy for Villanova. Everyone knows you know, Robinson Earl and obviously Colin Gillespie. Jermaine Samuels is not only doing it, he's done it consistently for many years in a row now, John. Just a very important, you know, they say Jay Wright is always looking for Villanova basketball players. There's your poster child. Right there. He had a, a double-double, 10 points, and even 10 rebounds in leading the, the Wildcats to a come-from-behind win against Providence, a game that they trailed actually at halftime. Freshman of the week. This is a name you should probably get familiar with. Posh Alexander from St. John's. Johnny's were 2-0 and during the week. He averaged 19 points, shot 54% from the floor, and 45% from three. Future superstar potential in the making here. Well, and maybe the best evidence is when he was out of the lineup with an injury, uh, earlier in the season, the storm was not as stormy. Simple as that. Uh, he, he's a go-to guy as a freshman, which is really difficult to find in college basketball. And I did want to add one more freshman had a really breakout week. That would be Alan Breed at Providence. Played very well in really a, can't get a more difficult week than uh, Creighton and Villanova, and he showed up in both games. Yeah, he scored 33 points against two nationally ranked teams uh, as the Friars have been battling some injury issues as well. On the Big East honor roll, Jair Bolden from Butler had 21 points, which was a season high in a win against DePaul. Damian Jefferson of Creighton averaged nearly 20 points per game. Charlie Moore, DePaul. Nate Watson of Providence, 20 and a half points and four rebounds in a one and one week for the Friars. And then Julian Champagny, who's already been player of the week he gets the honor roll this week as well tell you what st john's is starting to heat it up a little bit overall st john's uh, you gotta tip your hat to mike anderson and the way he coaches I, I think they will continue to get better john if you remember last year by the end of the season no one wants to deal with the red storm they force so many turnovers they play at such a frenetic pace uh up the number of possessions that the opponent has to deal with just they just put an awful lot of pressure uh, both defensively and offensively, and throw you off your game. They dictate the tempo, and no, none of these none of these teams want to be told what to do in February in crunch time. This week, our blast from the past of the Big East goes back to this time thirty years ago. Murdoch with a drive. Murdoch got it back. Kept his eye on for Murdoch. Seven on the shot clock. Got the bucket again. 1991, Providence's Eric Murdoch turned into a double threat against the opposition. Not only did he light up the Pittsburgh Panthers for a then record 48 points on January 23rd of 91, but that season he also led the NCAA in steals. Friar fans nicknamed Murdoch the Man of Steel, and that record 48-point night stood for 20 years until another Friar, Marshawn Brooks, snapped it with 52 of his own against Notre Dame in 2011. And then Marquette's Marcus Howard tied that record with 52 in 2018, then hit for 53 
just a couple of years ago. Quite the feat. It certainly is. And, you know, the Man of Steel is one thing, but I think Friar fans also remember EMT, Eric Murdoch time. And there was an awful lot of EMT uh, in his in his career in Providence. That senior year, he truly was a first-team All-American, had an unbelievable season. Yeah, he definitely did. Murdoch, as we mentioned, he just terrorized opposing teams with his ability to score and, and play defense some 30 years ago. Coming up next, a guy who could do much the same thing, did his thing more than 35 years ago, and he's coaching his guys up on those very same principles. It's Georgetown head coach Patrick Ewing who joins us next, this week in the Big East. Coming up next, the Big East Focus. Big East Focus. And here's a one-possession game. Georgetown gets the steal. The jumper is up and in. Javon Blair knocks down a huge shot. So Georgetown is now out of timeouts. And they retain possession. Here's Pickett. Gives it off to Blair. He'll step back for a long three. And knock it down. Nothing but net from Javon Blair. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. The talent is there for the Georgetown Hoyas this season, a trying season for many to be sure, including the Hoyas. But when you're trying to build and you're trying to win in a league like this, already burdened by all of the issues that go along with staying safe through a pandemic, you begin to understand what the current duties for a college head coach entail these days and what Georgetown's Patrick Ewing is up against. Coach Ewing joins us this week in the Big East. Patrick, what's been the toughest part of having to be a coach right now than the many facets of your job that you have to go over uh, really over the last couple of months? Uh, one of the main things is just uh, like you said before, you know, all the things that's going on in our world today, the Corona, the coronavirus has been, uh, been running havoc on not only here in America, but all over the world, you know, that has set us back. We have nine new faces on our, on our team and we weren't able to get back on the campus, you know, it, that set us back. But I think that's the main thing, dealing with the coronavirus, dealing with all the, the social issues that's been going on in, in this in this country. That, that was it, trying to make sure I talked to the guys about staying safe, who they're bringing around their inner circle, who they're bringing around in our little bubble, just those things like that. Patrick, uh, obviously a rebuilding situation for you after the uh, exits off the roster last year. When you not having summertime, obviously, is a huge setback for for many programs around the country. When you showed up in the fall, September into October, uh, how did you think that the team was coming together with so many new players? I thought we were, you know, we're we're still we're learning each other. You you know, in the summertime, like you just alluded to, to, that's the time you get to know them. You recruit them, but then you don't really know them because you're not around them as much. The summertime is usually when you you have the opportunity to be around them more, uh, able to converse with them a lot more, practicing and individual workouts and all that stuff. So, you know, that that was rough. That was hard. But, you know, I, I, I thought that as the year went on, that we were going to get better and better because we got, that's more time we're, we're practicing, more times we'll be around each other. And, you know, I still feel the same way. We have about 10 more games to left. We were shut down for, for about uh, 10 days and we're finally going to get back up and, and going on against Providence. So hopefully we can get a win there and, you know, just, you know, something to, you know, stop the bleeding. Patrick, you mentioned um, uh, all of the different things that were going on over the course of the last year. Was there ever a point in time when you might have uh, sat at your desk or sat in your office or maybe you were at home and you thought, why are we doing this? You know what? Um, really, didn't, really didn't think about it. You know, whatever 
was with whatever came out of, you know, with uh, the Big East or the NCA uh, group, you know, that's what I was going to go with. You know, unfortunately, I was one of those people who came down with the, with the coronavirus and mm-hmm. was able to come through it, uh, you know, pretty much healthy. Uh, you know, talk to it about talk to it about the kids. But whatever decision was made, that's the decision that we were going to roll with. If they told us that we were shut down, then we would be just shut down and try to, to you know do the best we can in terms of keeping our our, our roster together. Uh, I thought the school did an outstanding job of when we, you know of taking care of us. We were the only ones on men and women basketball ball was the only ones on campus for the whole first semester with. 500 other students who had to be back. So it wasn't a lot of, we were in a, in a, in a mini bubble, mm-hmm. uh, not a lot of people around. So, you know, what, whatever decisions were, were made, you know, that's what I was my, myself and my staff and my, my players was ready to roll with. Patrick, uh, Georgetown hasn't had a win since before Christmas because you've had to have so many games postponed. That begs the question about your players, mental health, uh, not being able to play, sitting around the frustration of a quarantine, seeing their coach get ill, as you alluded to, uh, how has that challenged you and your staff to keep your players pointed in the right directions? It's definitely, uh, it's definitely challenging. It's, you know, it's, it's been a challenging year. Um, you know, us being shut down, we, we try to make sure we continue to talk to them, get on Zoom calls, uh, try to keep their spirits up, uh, just do everything that we possibly can do to, you know, uh, you know, keep them going. Uh, we're, you know, we finally got back to be able to practice in on Sunday. So, you know, they were happy to, to get out to get out of their rooms and being able to get out, get up and down the, the, the court and sweat and get in the weight room. So all of those things help in terms of men, not only physical health, but mental, mental health as well. Patrick Ewing, head coach at Georgetown, joining us this week in the Big East. You have three guys on this team that clearly were the, you know, uh, the, the guys that not only came back but have to lead you both on and off of the floor, really. Javon Blair, Kudus Wahab, I guess Jamarco Pickett. Right. And I, I've always loved Pickett's game because I think, you know, when he gets hot, there's very few dead-eye shooters better than him in the Big East. I think Wahab's development coach, uh, maybe that's something you need to take a little credit for because nobody knew who he was, barely knew how to pronounce his name, and yet he's become <laughs> a real center point for you. Yes, he has become a center point. I, I thought he learned a lot from both from Amir uh, York 7 here. I think Lewis or the one who's worked with him on a day-to-day basis, they've done an outstanding job of working together. You know, I put my two cents in when I, when I need to. <laughs> I need to. Um, but, you know, I think he learned from last year. He took advantage of the minutes that he got last year, and this year he's been knocking out the box. He's had some uh, some very good games. He has some poor games, and we need for him to continue to to grow and develop to be one of the one of our best bigs to come out of here. Patrick, uh, you guys have recruited well uh, the last two years. You have another good class building right now. I'd say that the leading newcomer freshman, anyways, uh, that you have right now is Dante Harris. Had a big game in that win over. St. John's, uh, but he's, he's a freshman, uh, up, down, uh, across the middle. Can you just talk to his uh, improvement and how excited you are about the influx of new talent in the program? Yeah, you know, we do have an influx of new ta- talent. Like I said, we have nine new faces. Five of them are freshmen. Uh, and we need for, for all of them to continue to grow. Uh, you know, if in order for us to be successful, especially years to come, they, these guys have to develop. They have to get better. So there has to be a, that, there has to be a jump from this year to next year. 
he, he played some great games for us, but he also made some freshman mistakes. And those are the things that we need to continue. You know, I've been getting on him about he has to, he has to learn from the mistakes that he make, and then you know, going forward, he cannot continue to make them. So, you know, like you said, he's a freshman. He's going to make some uh, freshman mistakes, but because right now he's he's the only true point guard that we have on the roster, um, he has to he has to you know he can't be a freshman anymore. Well, coach, while we know this is a learning curve for you and for Georgetown this year, what have you told your kids about measuring success versus failure this season? Well, you know, uh, we talk about, or I talk about to them right now that they have us, uh, I think, ranked last in the Big East. And I, I think that with our talent, we, you know, we, that's not where we belong. And we have to you know, keep chopping wood, you know, keep on getting better, keep on getting better, not only as, as a team, but also as individuals. And then see what, what you know, how where we are at the end of the season. I do think that we're talented. I do, do think that, because of the circumstances that we're in, it is what it is, but we have to make the best out of this bad situation. Thanks again to Georgetown's Hall of Famer, Patrick Ewing. We know a guy who remembers when Ewing was terrorizing Big East teams as a player more than 30 years ago, guy that also used to coach in this league and has become almost synonymous with Big East basketball through his connections and his personality. The governor, Bill Raftery, joins us next. This week in the Big East. Coming up next, the National Perspective. The National Perspective. First overtime. Let them play. Ubalus, seven seconds to go. Three-pointer. Oh! Double order. The little guy knocking him down big time. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. If you're hearing that a team is playing a minimum defense or that someone on the floor has displayed Onions. Well, you clearly know who's behind the microphone. And even if you don't know who Bill Raftery is, well, let's just say he's been around a while and he's seen a few good games, a few good coaches and players in his time. And not just as a former coach himself at Seton Hall, but as a familiar, friendly voice on the TV with CBS and Fox. And Bill, thanks for taking the time to join us today. How are you managing this season so far through the pandemic? I've been doing great. It's, uh, I just feel terrible for these kids. And programs, you know, forget the fans. I mean, they have no shot uh, other than to enjoy radio, listen to you guys, or uh, fortunate enough to get some games on, uh, whether it's Fox or CBS. But uh, I think even last night, I'm told, and you guys probably have that already, where after the game, UConn, uh, the referee, one of them was tested positive. Did you yeah. hear that yet? Yeah, we uh, did. Now, the ensuing fallout, of games that hits people like us. Uh, no, you're not doing that game any longer. It's over. Uh, you know, you fill out your score sheets. I've got more score, or more teams listed than games played uh, that have been canceled. So it's been bizarre. Um, I, you know, the administrators are probably going crazy, but I think they've done a great job getting this far. I mean, we're really lucky to have accomplished what they've accomplished, uh, you know, getting – you know, to the neck of the season with, you know, Big East tournament coming up and conference tournaments looming. And, uh, you know, Danny Gavitt positioning with his people, the possibility of in that NCA in one spot. So it's been not annoying, but just, you know, it's like just adjust. It's part of the deal. We're lucky to be having games. Right. Yeah, we, we have to roll with the flow. And it has not exactly. been easy, Bill, at all. But I, I'm curious – for yourself, you know, you love being in the gym. You love being around the coaches. 
pregame, postgame. Uh, players obviously know you, enjoy seeing you. Uh, it's how difficult is it to call a Big East game uh, from your house? Well, it, it's all gone, all that stuff, you know. Even the post-game cocktails are gone, which <laughs> so many people think I enjoy more than the games, but that's not entirely true. But, uh, you know, it, it's different. I mean, even with your partner, like I've been doing games from my dining room, uh, and I told my wife, it's great that we're finally using the dining room. <laughs> but uh, my partner could be Charlotte, Omaha, L.A., uh, and that's a little off, you know, people tell us, or, you know, we step on one another a little bit. Uh, we're off a beat. Uh, you know, maybe they see the ball go in quicker than I do kind of a deal. But I think the bottom line is fans don't really care. Uh, they just they just want to see their team. Uh, hopefully they, they, their team does well, but they just want to be involved in watching the game. And, and I think they're blessed and we're fortunate to be doing it. All right, so Raph, we'll put you on the spot here. Uh, who have you seen thus far in the conference that really has impressed you? Have you been surprised by anybody, or is this something that you kind of felt like was expected to happen? I, I think they're all feeling one another out. Uh, I, I think there's, you know, DePaul has struggled, as you know. 0-5, then they won against Marquette. They're good. I mean, when I say good, you know, they're not national good, uh, but there's a potential there that, is disarming if you're one of the upper echelon guys. Uh, you know, I, I, I watched Connecticut uh, a couple of times. Uh, you know, they've had health issues. Uh, I'm impressed with them, obviously. We know Villanova's up there. At times, Seton Hall has really been impressive. Uh, you know, Georgetown obviously has been in a, you know, a tough struggle. Uh, Marquette's a team that, you know, if they get their legs and balance, they're good. Your team that you follow, uh, you know, Eddie usually has a nice end run going uh, at this time of year. I've seen them play very well. So, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those uh, you better be prepared because everybody's got the capabilities of, you know, putting you to sleep. You know, you know Butler didn't play well last night. I've seen them play well against Creighton. So it's, it's bizarre as you watch this year unfold. With Bill Raftery on this week in the Big East, uh, Bill, uh, certain generation, mine, know you as a coach. I'm curious how you would react to, you know, say what Jay Wright is going through at Villanova with, I think, three different COVID pauses. He has a potential top five, number one, number two seed in the NCAA tournament, and it's almost February, and he probably doesn't really know his team, if you know what I mean. Well, you know, there's a case of the kid, uh, Gillespie, uh, last year, the end of the year, uh, not with the opportunity to show the country how good he is. You know, this year with the halts and pauses, uh, you know, not really being uh, rewarded for his unbelievable play. Uh, you know, he'll go down as one of the great Villanova guards, quite frankly. Uh, but if you list the Villanova guards, they might not list them because they haven't seen enough of them, you know? <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's really just unusual circumstances. And, you know, just like Jay, uh, you know, you just do it the best you can. And I think that's what they're trying to do. And hopefully uh, it gets resolved somewhat uh, where there's a consistency of play, but it doesn't look like it's going to happen. I think it's just the reaction to a test, uh, whether it's knee jerk or you don't like it, or uh, it's something that has to be done. Uh, 
you just have to follow the rules. And I, I think that's what they try to do. They're a mature team too, which I certainly think helps. You know, kids miss playing, miss the opportunity to grow. And I think the younger teams it's worse for, uh, you know, or new team, you know, even though they might be older. Uh, again, DePaul is one of those teams. They needed as many reps as they could. Uh, Agenda is a good example. That kid, you know, he blocks a lot of shots. And he's very involved in the defensive end. And he really missed injury last year, didn't get a summer work, didn't get a fall work. And there are a lot of kids that are falling through the cracks where they should be improved or considerably a better player now uh, where they're four to six months behind. Yeah. That, that actually, Raph, begs another question because of the, uh, you know, we all know that in college basketball, experienced teams generally are the ones that can last the longest, go the furthest. That doesn't, you know, eliminate, you know, obviously a Fab Five type of situation that Michigan had years ago. But at the same time, experienced teams usually the ones that win in college basketball. When you're up against it like this, and plus, you know, you're not even, not even sure what the current season is going to be like. How does this have to change your strategy, do you think, as a coach, when the pressure is there to win, the pressure is there to perform, and the pressure is also there to grow your program by trying to play younger kids? Well, for the younger team, it's certainly a dilemma. Uh, the only thing you can do is up your preparation, uh, you know, just situations that you might just little, uh, you know, just do a little bit on. You may have to do a lot more on, uh, whether it's out-of-bounds plays, and the game plays. Uh, I think it's just, you've got to do what's best for you. I mean, you know, look at your club up there. You know, you got a guy like David Duke. It, you know, this kid is really a talented player. Obviously, his point total, he's over and around 20. What's he, second in the league in shooting at this point? Right. And, and yet, you know, you take a guy like Bynum that hasn't, you know, hasn't been playing, although he might be back by now because I, I missed a game or two. Uh, you know, he needs... He needs to be playing to mesh with the other guy. So I, I think it, it's like great if you're old, but meantime, you got to play the game. So uh, you got to find a way to prepare them better, uh, you know, get them to believe in themselves, have confidence that they can compete at this level. You know, Breed came in, I thought did some good things uh, for you. Uh, but, you know, he's not a guy that's been in the backcourt for three and a half, four years, like, uh, like Colin Gillespie for comparison. Mm-hmm. Bill, I understand that you were in Indianapolis on that odd day when Baylor was supposed to play Gonzaga and it did not happen because of some COVID tests. Most people are saying that's a potential preview of the national championship game. Do you sign on that those two teams are ahead of everybody else? Right now I do. Uh, You know, I've certainly, I've had Baylor since. They're terrific defensively and obviously the perimeter guys, Teague, Mitchell and Butler, are something special. They got a blue guy in vital. Uh, they're really good. And I've had, I've had Gonzaga a couple of times. Uh, they're the real deal. Uh, their offense is fluid. Uh, you know, Suggs and Nembard, you've got two point guards that can play together or sub one or, or, or uh, you know, have one at point, bring somebody in like Kispert as the off guard who's a small forward. They're good. Timmy's a real smart guy as a center. Uh, by that, he sees things, creates things, slips, passes. And besides that, yes, he can step out and do some post moves as well. So right now, but, you know, these league games become important. You know, I do, I do a considerable amount of Big Ten games, and they're deep and tough. And that plays well come tournament time. 
for anybody. When you've been beaten up a little bit, maybe you've got five or six losses, but you're good. Uh, and I think what guy, coaches have become better at is today. Forget the past. It, should, it would help a lot of marriages, I'm sure. If they would, mm-hmm. you know, people mm-hmm. would forget the past. But I think that's what guys have harped on now with their teams. All right, we took it on the chin. We didn't do the things down the stretch to win a game. But that's over. Now we've got so-and-so to prepare for. So I think they're the best right now. But I, I just do – like I thought Tennessee – and I know Rick's having some trouble lately. I saw them early, and I thought they were the whole package, but they're getting some bumps on the road, uh, which if you handle them well, will will bode you well come tournament time. So, uh, you know, it's a different time when you got to win six games in a row against six different philosophies. So anything can happen, as we've seen in the NCAA tournament. The one and only Bill Raftery. Who's got next? We'll jump into the schedule with the plans for playing next this week in the Big East. Coming up, who's got next this week in the Big East? Who's got next this week in the Big East? Brayton can take the lead now with 110 left to play. Zagorowski around a screen, steps into a three. It's good! Marcus Zagorowski gives Brayton the lead, 81-79 to with a minute left to go. John Rook, Kevin McNamara, this week in the Big East, a weekly schedule upcoming. Yeah, it'll have its tosses and its turns, but it will start certainly on Saturday with four games that currently on the schedule and the big focus, Sandro Mamukalashvili talked about it a little bit a few minutes ago, Kevin. They get a home date, the Pirates do, against Villanova's Wildcats. Prime opportunity game for the Pirates. There's no two ways about it. When Villanova comes into your gym, you have to take them down. And this year in the Big East, there's really only one top dog that would really help your net ranking. And Seton Hall is in need of such a victory right now. think probably so. There's also Providence at Georgetown. Xavier and Butler move from Friday to Saturday. And then Creighton plays at DePaul on Saturday. On Sunday, well, St. John's and UConn was postponed because of the issue earlier this week with the official testing positive, forcing UConn to postpone a couple of games this week. But the Johnnies are in luck. However, they've got to go on the road on Sunday, and they will play at Marquette. But the game will be nationally televised by Fox. John, we've talked about this earlier uh, editions of the show. How about the St. John's coaching staff? You know, really breaking down UConn, they're ready to go, gets blown up. In a matter of days, they were informed on Thursday that they have to deal with Marquette. Difficult team to scout. Assistants, I'm sure, pulling the all-nighters and getting ready for the trip out to Milwaukee. Correct. Next game, by the way, on the schedule at present for UConn is a week from Saturday on February the 6th at home against Seton Hall, pending any changes coming up in the schedule. There's a Tuesday game on the schedule. Butler plays at Marquette as well. And then Wednesday, four big games on the horizon again, Kevin, including Seton Hall at Providence. That's those teams in the middle of the Big East mix that all need desperate wins right now. Huge one there for Seton Hall, you know, going on the road, They've already lost to Providence once at home in overtime. Those, you know, potential sweeps are to be avoided come tournament time. It's really important for Seton Hall to have a big week. You know, Villanova, Providence, really difficult hoe, but but a big-time opportunity for the Pirates. Can I also mention the team that you just talked about in St. John's? They have a great opportunity as well with a home game against Villanova on Wednesday night. You know, St. John's has won four of its last five after their victory against DePaul last week. 
rounding into shape. We've already talked about Posh Alexander and obviously Julian Champagny. Those are two really talented players that opponents don't want to have to deal with. All things being equal, if you're worried about your favorite Big East team, subject to change, check your local listings. Our thanks to Seton Hall's Sandro Mamakalishvili, Georgetown's Patrick Ewing, and CBS and Fox's Bill Raftery for joining us this week. Thanks go out to all of our flagship radio stations for their assistance, to producer Kevin Collins, executive producer John Paquette, thanks to the coaches and administrators at all 11 Big East member institutions. For Kevin McNamara, I'm John Rook. Make sure you find us on Twitter at JR Broadcaster at Kevin McNamara 33. Make sure you use that hashtag TwitBe, T-W-I-T-B-E. Find out what's going on. Send us your questions. We'll answer them on upcoming shows. We'll join you again right here, same time next week for This Week in the Big East. Thanks for listening to This Week in the Big East. Special thanks to our member schools as well as their athletic departments. This Week in the Big East is produced by Kevin Collins. The executive producers are John Paquette and Rick Gentile. Be sure to join us next week for the latest edition of This Week in the Big East.